Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Reading from the book of Acts. And uh, I just quickly want to continue a bit on this idea of information and revelation, the difference between the two. So some years ago, my uh, good friend and I, Darren Bower, he was my roommate back in Varsity, and uh, uh, we served Jesus together, and both of us, together with our wives, we went on the Zimbabwe outreach, and uh, when, uh, yeah, anyone that has ever gone to the Zimbabwe outreach with our church, anyone? Yes? Great. It's really a good thing. You should go. Um, but at the end of this trip, we sent everyone home, and we decided we're going to go on our own little mission trip uh, to the Vic Falls. And then after that, we're going to travel through the Caprivi, through Namibia, back to South Africa. So we took extra leave, and we went on this great adventure of ours because we wanted to see the Victoria Falls. And so myself, Karin, Darren, and his wife, Rochelle, we went to the Vic Falls, and uh, um, I can give you a bit of information about the Vic Falls. This is what I knew about the Vic Falls before we went. Uh, they say it's the biggest waterfall in the world. Uh, it's not technically the highest, and it's also not technically the widest, but if you combine those two things, uh, its width and its height, it's the biggest waterfall in the world. It's twice the height of the Niagara Falls in North America. So Africa is cooler than America, yay. So, but here's the thing, it's, a, it's 108 meters high, this massive amount of water falling to the ground, 108 meters, and it's 1.7 kilometers wide. I mean, in Bloemfontein, if the shop is a, a 1.7 kilometers from your house, you don't even walk. You get into your car and you drive. That's how wide the Vic Falls is. And this, uh, this Vic Falls, it's actually the locals, they call it the smoke of thunder. The smoke of thunder, because this, uh, the water that falls, it causes the spray that comes up into the air, and this spray goes 400 meters into the air. If it's like flood season, it goes even as high as 800 meters into the air. You can see the spray or the smoke that thunders. You can see it 50 kilometers away. It's quite impressive. And I knew that. I had the information about the Vic Falls. And so we got there, and uh, the people that work there, you pay, you go in, and they ask you, do you want a rain jacket? I was like, no, man. It's like 30 degrees outside, and sure, there's going to be a bit of mist, and I'm going to get wet. That's fine. I mean, it's okay if your shirt gets wet, right? That's no, no problem. Um, and I said, no, no, it's, we're from Africa. Like, I'm from South Africa. Like, we know, you know, we're tough. And because I see all the foreigners, the, you know, the foreigners with their cameras from the east, they there, and they all have got rain jackets. And as we're walking uh, to see the Vic Falls, they, then we see lots of, you know, Americans coming past us with their rain jackets, and we think like, ah, oh, Americans, typical, tourists, I mean, we're from Africa. And so we walk all the way, and we get a bit closer, and so we're there, and you start feeling the mist, it's like, oh, this is amazing, <laughs> Americans. And, uh, and we start walking closer and closer and closer until we get right in front of the Vic Falls. We get into the middle, and we stand there, and this spray, it comes in waves. It's like this, ah, it's okay. And then all of a sudden it's like, Shoo! and they call it inverted rain. It's like raining from the bottom up. 
But it's not only that. It's like it's, it's literally standing under a shower, only worse, because it's a cold shower and the water is not only coming from the top, it's coming from the bottom, but not like a spray. It's like all over you and it's coming from the front. It's coming from top, on the top of you. It's coming from behind and that your shirt doesn't get wet. My undies were wet. Like I was wet, wet, like all the way through. And we were standing there thinking like, oh, this is amazing. It's like, it's quite amazing. And then after a while, we realized there's no sun. Because where we're standing, there's a cloud of mist and, and spray, so the sun doesn't get there. And so you start getting cold. And you start shivering. You thought, like, has the weather changed? And so we just wanted to get out of there because we were so cold just to get back into the sun, take the shirt off, just bake in the sun because it was so, so cold. Now, here's the thing. I had information about the Vic Falls. But when I stood there in front of the Vic Falls, I didn't see the Vic Falls. The Vic Falls happened to me. I was showered by the Vic Falls. I had a revelation of the Vic Falls. It's totally different. Two totally things. Information versus revelation. It's the same thing with the gospel, friends. You can know a whole lot about Jesus. You can know that he is the lamb that has taken away the sin of the world. The question is, have you received the revelation? Have you, have you come to the understanding that Jesus is the lamb of God that has come to take away my sin? Has Jesus showered you with his love and his grace and his truth that you get wet all the way through? Because that is revelation. I want to tell you about a group of people we find in the Bible, and they got this. They didn't get information about Jesus. They got a revelation of who Jesus is. They experienced Jesus happened to them. The gospel happened to them. It wasn't just head knowledge. It happened to them, and it changed the way that they live completely. I want to read from Acts chapter 2 now. This is a classic passage in the Bible because it gives us a picture of what it looked like in church in the early church. The first church we can, we can read about is in Acts chapter 2, and we can see how radically they were following Jesus. Just quickly listen to this. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, and they devoted themselves. They were committed to. They gave themselves to the apostles' teachings, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And we're going to be speaking about that a little bit in the series to come, Discipleship devoted to the way. So I want to ask you to devote yourself to this series because I promise you it's going to do you good. I'm trusting God that you're going to move from information to revelation. You're going to move from religion to relationship. God's going to change something in our hearts and it's going to change the way that we live. I'm trusting God for that. So come with us on this journey. I'm going to read further from verse 44. And it says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. This is like we, we say we are a family on mission, right? This was like family on mission on steroids. So, so they, were, they had everything in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Imagine that. It's like saying, if someone is in need in my fellowship, in my church, I'm going to sell what I have so that I can help them. That's how radical they were. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple courts together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, 
Like, I mean, yo, for us, we struggle to pitch up once a month for church. Like, we, if you go three out of four weeks, like, well done. Day by day, they were coming together to hear the word, to get more revelation of Jesus. They were coming into each other's homes, spending time together. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There's the mission. They were family on mission, but in such a radical way. Now, if I can be honest, friends, if I read a passage like that, and I look at the way we do Christianity today, I look at the church today, it just feels like it, they, the two don't really match up all that well. It's like we, we, we struggle to convince people that, you know, you need to commit to a percentage to remind yourself that everything you have is from God. Just commit to a percentage. It's like these people weren't committing to a, a, budget, a percentage in their budget. To them, God decided the budget. It's like the whole budget belonged to him. It's like for us in our calendar, we want to commit a day in the calendar to God. And over here, it's like, no, God, the whole calendar is yours. You say what happens in my calendar. There's another beautiful part in, in Acts chapter 9 where Saul, he was actually persecuting the church. He didn't like Christians all that much. Later on, he became one, and he became Paul that wrote most of the New Testament. Uh, but when he didn't like Christians that much, he, he, he tried to capture Christians, and he wrote this letter to one of the high priests saying, can you give me permission to put them in jail? And so he, he speaks about, uh, and he asked for a letter so from, from the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging, listen to this, to the way, Anyone belonging to the way. Back then, they didn't call them Christians. That only came later. They got the name Christians. They were called those who belonged to the way. Men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, that's quite beautiful. There was something in the way that they were devoted to Jesus that you could see it in the way that they lived. They lived in a different way. It's like those who belong to the way. The church. Now, I think this really challenges me just so much. Looking at this and then looking not only at our church, but looking at my own life. I'm like, whoa. Man, I, I just I pray for more devotion. I want this kind of devotion in my life. But can I be honest? I'm scared of that. I don't know if I'm brave enough to give more money away. That's scary. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure whether I'm willing to sacrifice more of my time and energy. I'm scared of that. But at the same time, I'm saying, God, I want that. I don't know if you feel like that. It's like you want to say yes, but it's like, yo, this is a high demand. And I want to tell you a bit about a guy that's just like us. Now, here's the thing I want to say about that church. I believe that the difference between them and us, if you want to know, okay, but why were they so committed? And why do I struggle with this so much? I don't believe that they were just better than us. I believe it comes down to the revelation that they had. They had an eternal perspective of who Jesus is. They had maybe a different or more clear picture, a revelation of this gospel, which drove them to live in a different way. If you want to be more devoted to Jesus, you need a new revelation of Jesus. We need fresh and clear revelation of Jesus. It's not going to help if you just try harder. And I want to show that to you in the life of a person called Peter. I believe that Peter 
is just like you and me. He struggled with devotion. Man, he sucked, just like you and me. Now, I know you might think, no, 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 sorry, are we speaking about the same Peter here? Because Peter was bold. He was standing in public when they wanted to kill him, and he was shouting, repent, repent. He, he was calling people to Jesus, and he wasn't afraid to tell anyone that I belong to Jesus. He was so bold. Tradition tells us at the end of Peter's life, he was killed by Nero. He was killed. Apparently, what tradition tells us is that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus. <laughs> crucified upside down. That guy is radical. How can you say he's just like us? I'm not like that. I wish I could be, but man, that guy's devoted to Jesus. But here's the thing. That was at the end of his life, later on. I want to show you a picture of how he struggled with the very same things and what happened to him and when he moved from information to revelation and how that changed him. And maybe there's hope for us also in that. So if you want to read with me Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, there's a piece, and uh, we know Jesus had these friends around him, his disciples. They were very committed to him. And uh, Jesus knew that he's going to be betrayed, and he's going to have to suffer. He knew the cross was waiting for him. And the one night he spoke to his disciples, and he says, it's about time. They're going to come and get me. And it's written that I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will scatter. You are all going to desert me. He's speaking about his disciples and saying, you're all going to leave me. And then Peter, he says, no, Lord. No, no, no. I don't know if you've ever had a Peter statement, but listen to what Peter said. He says, no. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, saying, even though maybe the other disciples, I can see how they can fall away. Even though they fall away, Jesus, I will not. I'm going to be devoted to you. Have you ever made a Peter statement like that? It's like, God, I promise I'm going to devote myself to you from tomorrow morning. I'm going to read my Bible every morning. From tomorrow, I'm going to start praying more. From tomorrow, I promise God, it's the last time that I skipped church on a Sunday. From next week, I'm going to be there. He makes the Peter statement. Jesus goes on, verse 30. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And Peter says, no, no, your information is incorrect, Jesus. He says, but he said emphatically. He's like, no, now he's starting to shout. He's like, no, no, no. If I must die with you, it's like, you know, a Peter statement. Even if I have to die with you, Jesus, I will not deny you. And the others also said the same, saying, Jesus, I promise, this time it's going to be different. Have you made that statement? Said, God, this week, I'm going to stop drinking. Saturday night was the last time. It's going to change now, Jesus, I promise. God, I want to, I'm going to stop with pornography. It was the last time that I watched pornography, God. I'm done with that. God, you've, you've spoken to me about that boyfriend of mine that doesn't serve you, that doesn't help me. I'm going to leave him. I promise I'm going to leave him. Or my boyfriend and I, we stepped over the line. Again, we did some things that only married couples should be doing. Like, God, it's the last time. I promise, I promise I'm going to devote myself. We've all done that, right? You make those Peter statements, whether they're small or big. It's like, and it happens on Sundays sometimes, right? Or when you feel really, really guilty. It's like, that was the last time, I promise. And so what happens? We know the story, right? Peter fails. 
just like you and I have failed so many times. You think about the promises you've made to God, saying your devotion to God, how many times have you failed? But I can promise you, I don't think it's worse than Peter. I think Peter's story is a bit worse than us. He denied the Son of God. And so Jesus is captured. He's standing in the court, and they're questioning him. Peter's like hanging around. He doesn't want to be seen because he's a bit afraid it's happening over there. He's in the courtyard close by and uh, sort of warming him up. It's in the morning early probably. It's cold, just trying to hide. He's not really sure how devoted he's going, if he's going to go through with this thing or not. You know, it's when that temptation comes. It's like, no, no, I want to say no, but, you know, you don't throw away the temptation. You just keep it there. And so Peter goes through the following, and he says, and, and as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls, I just want to pause there, servant girl, not the Roman emperor, not the prefect of that promise, the guy that's of that province that's in charge, not the high priest, just one of the servant girls sees him. One of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus, but he denied it. Jesus, I promise you, if, even if I have to die, I will not deny you. A few hours later, the servant girl comes, but he denied it, saying, I neither know or understand what you mean. And he went out in the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystander came again and said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for you are Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. Can you imagine as he's saying those words, how he must have felt? As he's speaking the words, his heart breaking on the inside. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him. Another translation says that the words of Jesus flashed before him. The words of Jesus about the crow flashed before him. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Now, we've all had that experience. After the Peter statement, the temptation comes and you slip up. You drink a bit too much. You said, I promise God I won't. You fall into pornography. You and your boyfriend do something you're not supposed to. You don't go through with your plan. You skip church again because I had a busy week. After that promise you made to God. And what happens? You know, after the first time, it's not that bad. It's like, no, I just slipped up. I'm real sorry, God. I'm sorry. You know, this was the last time, I promise. And then we've had this experience. I mean, I'm pretty sure of it. All of us have had this. And then we do it again, second time. It's like, oh, man, God. Oh. And then it takes us a little bit longer to get back to God, right? We feel guilty a little bit longer. It's like, God, I promise, I promise, I promise. And we think the longer we feel guilty, the more God will forgive us. And it's like, God, I promise from now on. Come on, please, God, help me. And then we do it a third time. You know what happens after you do something a third time that you're not supposed to do? That you knew that you committed yourself not to do it. What happens? You stop thinking this is just a slip up and you start believing this is who I am. 
Maybe I'm just not that devoted. Maybe this Christianity thing isn't for me. Maybe I'm just not that guy. That's for special girls and special guys. Maybe, maybe I can't be that committed to God. What do we do? We run away. What does Peter do? Peter goes back to his old life. I mean, that's when we mess up so bad after we made a Peter statement and we deny him, we deny him, we deny him in our actions. We want to run away. We want the world to swallow us. We, we, just want to, we just want to hide, right? We don't feel like going to church. You certainly don't feel like opening your Bible and praying because then you know you have to be confronted with this thing and you feel like a hypocrite. What am I going to say to God? I'm sorry, again. That's what I said the previous three times. What do I have to say to God? It's finished. And so Peter goes back to his old life. He becomes a fisher. So at the beginning of Peter's life, Jesus walks past and he says, Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to change your calling. Your destiny is being changed today. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Peter goes back to become a fisher of fish. And he sits there on the boat. Can you imagine that? Sitting on the boat, thinking of that day when Jesus said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Playing over in his mind. I think I messed up my calling. You ever felt like that? It's like, man, I've just messed up my calling. I, I know that God has got plans for everyone, but I had my chance. I've had my chance. It's too late for me now. And Peter runs away on the waters, just like we run away. After you messed up so many times, you think I'm not going to go back to church. I'm not going to go to community group. We run away from the thing. And it's like your church friends tells you, it's fine if you don't feel good enough. That's the whole point. And you're like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. That's a nice line. But you don't understand. You don't know the commitments I've made to God that I couldn't keep. You don't know the level or the depth of my sin. You don't understand. The irony is they actually do understand, and we'll get to that. And so you run away. What happens next? Jesus Goes to the cross. Peter is nowhere to be found. He misses the whole thing because he, the whole thing because he ran away. He hides. Jesus walks out of his grave after three days. Death could not hold Jesus down. He walks out of the grave and he comes to find his disciples. And so he's walking on the beach. Peter's there in the water, and they see him. And for a moment, Peter forgets about his guilt and his shame. That's what guilt and shame. Just you know, we want to hide. We want to run away. But for that moment, he forgets about it. He runs to Jesus. He's like, "Wow, you're alive." Everything starts making sense. And he sits with the resurrected Jesus, and they have breakfast together. Jesus cooks them breakfast. He bries a bit of fish for them. And it's this wonderful conversation. And then at one point after breakfast, Jesus says, okay, enough small talk. I'm alive. Get used to it. We've got work to do. Enough small talk. Peter, we need to speak about something. There's something we need to sort out. Before we get onto this mission, we need to talk about that commitment you've made and the way that you've denied me. You know what we expect? We expect Jesus to give him a hiding. We expect Jesus to give Peter a hiding and say, how could you deny me like that? Remember how you said you're not going to do that and you did it. John chapter 21, at this moment in my life, my, my favorite passage, John chapter 21. And this is why I believe that Peter is so much like us. Chapter 21, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Oh. Remember Peter said, Jesus, even if they fall away, I will not. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? 
He's just reminding him quickly of what he said back then. Was he being passive aggressive? Was he being sarcastic? No, 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 no. He was busy restoring Peter. He just wants to get him. We're going to speak about that thing. Your, your worst sin. I want to speak about that. Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. He didn't say, you love me more than these? Yes, I do, Lord. Then Jesus doesn't say, but then why did you deny me? I, I don't understand. You say you love me, but you deny me. Uh, explain that to me. And he doesn't make him feel guilty. He says, no, no, no. He gives him calling. He says, feed my lambs. You see, Jesus wants to make Peter the head of the church. The guy that denied him three times, he wants to make him the head of the church. And he said to him, the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend to my sheep. He repeats himself. And then he goes on and he said it a third time. Why three times? You see, Jesus knows that Peter denied him three times. And now he wants to ask him three times again because he wants to reinstate Peter. Jesus didn't need to ask him three times. Peter needed for Jesus to ask him three times. Because you see, Jesus didn't have trouble forgiving Peter. Peter had trouble forgiving Peter. And so Jesus is helping Peter to forgive himself in this moment, to understand the gospel. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said this to him a third time. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. He's probably crying at this moment. You know that I love you. I know it sounds like I'm a hypocrite, but I genuinely do. We also feel like that. God, I really, really do love you. But man, I'm sorry. I, I'm just failing you. Then Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now here's the thing. What is actually taking place in that moment? You see, where Jesus was speaking to Peter, and Peter was so aware of his failings, I denied Jesus three times. Jesus had Peter right where he wanted him. Jesus had Peter exactly where he wanted him. Why? Because in this moment, Peter was standing empty-handed before God. Peter had nothing. Peter knows that he has tried his devotion but at this moment, he's like, Lord, you know that I love you. I know that I've got nothing. I'm standing empty-handed before you. You see, before this, I'm sure that Peter heard about Jesus that forgives people. He saw it. He saw Jesus giving his love to people. But at this moment, for the first time, Peter was standing in front of Jesus. He says, Jesus, I need your love. I've got nothing before you. For the first moment, Peter was desperate like all the other sinners in the world that Jesus wants him to go and preach to. For this moment, Peter needed Jesus so badly. You see, here's the thing, friends. You cannot get saved until you get to that place. It's impossible. You cannot experience the love of God showering you from the bottom, from in front, and from top like the, the Vic Falls does. You can't experience the love and the grace of God before you stand open-handed before God. And you say, God, I've got nothing. I've tried. I've tried, but I've got nothing. I need you, Jesus. I need a Savior from outside. And so Peter is standing there. Jesus has got him right where he wants him because now Jesus can tell him. It's fine, my child. I know who you are. 
I know that you denied me, but guess what? I still want you. I still want you. Some of you need to hear that tonight. God wants to tell you, you know what? I know about everything. I know about the last time you watched porn. I know about the last time you messed up with your girlfriend. I know about your commitments you couldn't keep in terms of going to community group this week or reading your Bible. Guess what? I know everything. I still want you. I still want you. That is the love and the grace of who God is. He comes to us and he gives himself for us, not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are. Second reason why Jesus has Peter right where he wants him, because of calling. You see, I used to think this thing that, you know, I, I, receive, I receive my salvation by grace, but my calling is a bit of devotion. There has to be a bit of work to that, right? And maybe there is a bit of truth to that, but here's the thing. At that moment, Peter's saying, Jesus, if you can just forgive me, that's it. I'm cool. I don't need to do anything for you. You don't have to call me to anything. I'll, I'll go back to fishing fish if you want. If I could just give you, get your permission to, or your forgiveness, that's it. But Jesus says, no, 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 feed my lambs. And Jesus makes Peter the head of the church. No one, none of the disciples felt worse than Peter. And he says, I'm going to use you. Because you are at that place when you know. The reason why God is going to use me has got nothing to do with me. Because I'm empty-handed before God. The only reason why God is going to use me is because of who he is. It's not because of me, it's in spite of me. At that moment, Peter realized that it's not about the one being called, it's about the one calling. It's about the caller. It's the same thing in your life, friend. I can just guarantee you tonight, you've got nothing to bring to the table. Jesus has got it all, but he still wants you. He wants to use you. You need to come to that place where you stand empty-handed before God, and you realize it's not about the one being called. It's got nothing to do with you. It's all about the caller. And he's got a calling on your life. And Peter became the head of the church. And Peter was a great preacher, I believe, because when he was preaching, he was no longer preaching at people. He saw himself in every single person because he knew that no one has sinned worse than him. And therefore, he could give grace and he could preach the love of God. And it's the same thing with us. As a church in the city of Bloemfontein, friends, if we don't realize that we stand empty-handed before God, we are just patients in a hospital. We've got a great healer. We are not the doctors. We are those being healed by the doctor. If we don't realize that, we will never be able to preach the gospel effectively in our city because we're not gonna have love. We're not gonna have grace for our city. Now, what happened? After Peter didn't get information about Jesus. No, no, no. He didn't get the lesson on that Jesus is the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He knew that in that moment on that beach. He experienced it. Like I experienced the Vic Falls. He experienced showers of love and grace from God. He experienced that Jesus is the lamb of God that has come to take away my sin, even mine. Now, after that moment, what happens to Peter? The guy that is scared of a little girl, that runs away and denies Jesus when a little girl asks him if he knows her. That same guy goes back to Jerusalem, the very place where they crucified Jesus and where they wanted to catch him and, and put him in prison, probably kill him. He goes back to that place. He stands up in public and he says, I'm a follower of Jesus. Whatever Jesus does, I want to do, even if it includes killing me. And he starts preaching the gospel. He becomes bold. He becomes what? He becomes devoted. 
He becomes radically devoted to this Jesus because he had revelation of this Jesus. Jesus happened to him, and he comes with a new boldness, a new devotion to Jesus, even to the point where he gets crucified. This man radically changed, not because of his devotion, but because of his revelation of the one that is devoted to us that changed his life. Just quickly imagine this for a moment. Maybe the worship team can come up so long. Imagine this for a moment, uh, walking around in Jerusalem, preaching, Peter's friends coming to him and saying, Peter, it's really great you're preaching the gospel, but maybe not so loud. They're going to catch you. They're going to put you in jail. You know what they did to Jesus? They killed him. You know, just maybe don't preach the gospel that low. Don't be that radical. Don't be that devoted to this thing because, you know, you're going to die. Can you just quickly imagine for a moment Peter's response in that moment when his friends tell him that? After being showered by the love of God, knowing that he is the empty-handed man before God. I think he was probably thinking to himself, are you kidding me? Are you seriously suggesting that I stop preaching about what happened to me there because of jail? I'm not afraid of jail. Death. You think I'm afraid of death now? I had breakfast with the resurrected Jesus, the guy that woke up from the dead, the one that, that is victorious over death. You think I'm afraid of death? No. I remember in, when I was at university, this friend of mine that I showed you earlier, Darren, like we, we experienced Jesus' love showering us. We experienced His love and grace, and it changed my life. And I was very involved in the residence. I remember this one stage, I, I got picked to play for, for our residence's first team, rugby. It's only hostel league. It's not like, you know, I didn't have a, a future in rugby. But that was very special for me. And they had practices on Thursday nights. Captain's run. Friday nights we play. And when I heard that, I told them, oh, I've got a home cell on a Thursday night. <laughs> you can imagine how strange that sounds to the guys in the residence. Because they're like, well, what about your commitment to the residence? I'm like, are you kidding me? Commitment to the residence? You don't know what happened to me. I met Jesus. I was empty handed before Jesus and he changed me. That year, we started a community group with four people. At the end of that year, there were 50 people in that community group. Each week, people got saved. My roommate got saved there. Like, you want me to give that up? We're speaking about eternity, and you say I need to be at a residence rugby game. Come on! Are you kidding me? I want to devote myself to this Jesus that has changed my life totally. Friends, I don't know for one moment in this series want anyone to feel condemned but to think like we just need to devote ourselves more. But man, God is calling us to something so much bigger than the things that we devote ourselves to in this life. Residence involvement versus serving the eternal God. Are you kidding me? But let me just say this. That can only happen if you've been showered by the love it's not going to happen if I say, no, I need to try harder. Pastor said I have to come to church every week because that's more important than my residence stuff or my work or, or watching Netflix on a Sunday afternoon, skipping church. No, 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 that's not the point. It's like, friends, maybe you need fresh revelation of who Jesus is. 
if you are struggling with that, if you struggle with your Sunday afternoons to get to church because it's like, no, it's going to be a tough week and I need to rest, look after myself. God loves me just the way I am. That's great. But I mean, come on. The people of God are meeting. The people of God, we want to have you here. People are getting saved in this place. We're seeing eternities change. We're changing a city here. Maybe the answer is not, okay, I need to devote myself a little, a little bit more. Maybe the problem is just in my revelation. You see, our devotion speaks about our hunger. And so if you want to fix your devotion, fix your hunger. And so that's the prayer I want to pray tonight. So I want to ask you, I want to pray this on my knees. If you are hungry for more of God, I want to ask you to join me just on your knees. So even if you've been serving God for many, for many, many years, if you're saying, God, I want to be more devoted to the way. I want to be devoted to this kingdom. I want to be devoted to you, Jesus. But I know that maybe I just need fresh revelation. I need to be reminded of my salvation. I just need to see you more often. And we want to ask the Holy Spirit that he would come and give us more revelation. That just this week, that you're going to see Jesus in a new way. That's what I want to pray. And after that, we're going to sing his praises also. Lord Jesus, we come on our knees before you. Say, God, will you give us a greater hunger for you? I know for a fact that when we see you, we cannot stay the same. And we want that, God. We want to live a life like this church in your Bible. We want to be radical with our everything. We want to be known the people that belong to the way. That's who we want to be. But God, we know out of our own devotion, we're going to be just like Peter. So we need more revelation, God. We need more of you. Would you increase our love for you, Jesus, in the series to come? But even tonight, God, come and light a fire in us for you and for your gospel. In Jesus' name, I pray that. Before you get up, before you get up, just where we're standing, I want to ask this. Is there anyone that needs to get saved tonight? Anyone that, I want to ask you to stand up. Be very, very bold might feel awkward, but we've all done that. To stand up if you realize tonight you haven't been serving God. So tonight you want to take that big step and saying, God, I'm, I want to be all in. I want to be a follower of the way. Maybe tonight as I spoke about the story of Peter sitting before Jesus, maybe as I spoke about that, you realize that's my story. That's me sitting in front of Jesus. And you're having the moment. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. Say, Jesus, that's me. I want to start this new life. There's a guy standing over there and there's a lady standing over there. I want to give more time for this. Let's praise, let's praise Jesus for that. Thank you, God. Won't you just shower them with your love and your grace and your forgiveness? I'll ask, just give one more opportunity. Is there anyone else that needs to stand up and say, God, that story about Peter, that's my story. I need your forgiveness. I'm empty-handed. I'm going to speak to that guy and to that lady. We are so happy about what's happening to you right now. We celebrate with you. Why? Because we have experienced what you experienced also. We have stood before Jesus empty-handed. And can I just tell you, it is the best decision that you can make in your entire life. You will never be the same. Just keep on focusing on Jesus alone. There's someone from our ministry team with you. They want to pray for you. But more than that, while we worship, they're going to go with you to our New Life Lounge there at the back. And they want to just spend time with you, hear your story. And we want to start walking the road. Can I just 
challenge both of you, the guy and the lady. Don't just make, you know, say yes tonight. I want to ask you to come and walk the road with us as a church. Come and commit, even if it's just for three months, to be with us regularly as we show you and teach you who this beautiful Jesus is. That's why we do church, is because we can get a revelation of who Jesus is. And so I want to ask you to join us on that journey. Lord Jesus, as a church, we pray for those two people, God. Will you change their lives today? God, I thank you for your forgiveness and your love and ask that you would keep on showering them. God, I thank you that the sin that they feel so ashamed of, God, that you know about that and you forgive it completely. You don't see those sins anymore. You don't see that sin, God. You see the righteousness of Christ. You see the price that Jesus has paid over their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship Jesus together. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.